Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning, everybody. What a wonderful day it is to be Cantabrian and welcome into the Canterbury Sports Corner. Thanks to Enterprise Recruitment. Oh, we have got such a cool show for you today. And it has been a massive week of sport. And uh, you know what? It's a massive week of sport that there are red and black fingerprints all over it, uh, whether we're talking about the Football World Cup, whether we're talking about all of the rugby that's going on around the world. Uh, we've got Cantabrians and the Tall Blacks. We've got Cantabrians at the Netball World Cup as well. And today on the show, we've got a beautiful menu of sport for you. Uh, who do we have coming up? Oh, Billy Harmon. How about your Canterbury captain, Billy Harmon, ahead of a new MPC season? Uh, it is the lifeblood of sport in New Zealand provincial rugby, really, isn't it? It, it? it keeps us ticking on through the spring months. So Billy Harmon is going to join us ahead of their game tonight against the Tani Far up in Whangadei. Of course, the Palmer Cup team playing up there as well. So wishing them all of the best. Donny Bell has been across all of the club rugby. Marist Albion getting the job done in the Premier Metro competition here in Christchurch. So Donny commentated that game. He is across that. Of course, Glenmark Cheviot getting done out in North Canterbury. Prebleton getting it done out in Ellesmere as well and first 15 rugby Nelson boys Christchurch boys our man Donny is commentating that so we will chat to him as well a little bit later on now this is really special we're going to be lucky enough to be joined by Annalie Longo she's a stalwart of the mainland pride she's a legend of Canterbury sport of New Zealand sport she's a multiple uh, world cup playing football fern she's just been involved in the latest World Cup on our shores. The highs of Eden Park, the lows of the Caketon against the Philippines, and then that frustrating finish against Switzerland in Dunedin. Annalie Longo, how's she how's she getting on after that? What are her thoughts now, a few days after the World Cup disappointment, and will she head to the games uh, for the rest of the tournament? Paul Leifel, well, he is the boss at Christchurch United Football. He is the uh, football director down there. And they, speaking with football, have got a favourable draw for the Chatham Cup semi-finals. I've got Easton coming down to play them here in Christchurch. We'll catch up with Paul and, and see how his season is heading along as well. So we've got a massive show for you. And uh, I'll get right into it in just a second. But a couple of things you might have missed during the week. The Silver Ferns, well, they are battling at the moment, it's fair to say, they have got the English tonight, 9pm, good luck uh, to the Silver Ferns, of course, to Pius Alberic at Karen Berger, Jane Watson, just a few of those tactics players that are involved, and man, it, you'd be hoping that they can reserve, reverse their form if they want to make the final of this World Cup. Can Dame Nolene Toto sprinkle some fairy dust yet? Uh, again, the FIFA Women's World Cup, it rolls on. Tell you what the game of the round is for me, though, and that's Sweden, round of 16, that's Sweden versus the United States. Can the States lift and beat Sweden? I am not sure. And some sad news during the week for a Canterbury rugby and All Blacks legend, former AB's captain, 
Tane Norton has passed away yesterday. He was 81. A hooker, 61 appearances for the All Blacks. Um, he led and played for the Red and Black a number of time. 82 matches for Canterbury. Oh, what an absolute icon. And uh, I know those around the Linwood Club will be hurting today and this weekend. He was a, a leading administrator and he gave so much of his time to that Linwood Club uh, throughout year, the years. A real, real, true blue New Zealand legend is Tane Norton. And uh, I know a lot of people will be hurting. He was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to rugby in the 2006 New Year's Honours. Probably should have happened much earlier than that. So uh, thank you for everyone out at the Linwood Club. Thank you for everyone at Canterbury Rugby and, of course, Tane Norton's family. So that's what we've got going on the Canterbury Sports Corner. Um, we've got plenty to get through for the rest of the show. Of course, we are here with Enterprise, the recruitment company, improving people's lives for over 50 years. And after this, we're going to go straight to the top. That's Billy Harmon, skipper of the Canterbury NPC side. And just like that, MPC, it's back. Uh, it's the lifeblood of rugby in Aotearoa. Seriously, this is the stuff that gets us through the spring months. And, well, it's the Canterbury Sports Corner, so we'd probably have to go straight to the top. The Canterbury captain, Billy Harmon, to catch up and see how they're going ahead of their first match up north. They're going to take on the Tanifa Northland on Saturday night. And, Billy, you're bang on. You've got two curtain raises. One of them is Manawatu Wellington. The other is the second Bledisloe, All Blacks uh, Wallaby. So how's that for your first MPC game of the year? Yeah, it's not too bad. Uh, it should should get the crowd pretty warmed up. So excited to be back at it, round one. Uh, and how good against Northland. You know, we had a bit of history against them last season, two games against them. So no doubt there'll be uh, a bit of fire burning up there. So they'll be ready to go for sure. Billy, you play a, a hell of a lot of footy in a calendar year these days. You had a, a huge season for the Highlanders and you managed to get a, a nice little rest week in there, which was kind. You've um, been obviously on tour with the All Blacks 15 and, and played some seriously good footy over there in Japan and, and now it's NPC. But I just wonder, where does, where does putting on the, the red and black stack up for you in, in terms of your full year and, and how important is it for you to personally to lead this team? Uh, yeah, I absolutely love being back back here. So, you know, Canterbury's home for me. Uh, it's where my career started. So I love being back here. It's always a nice sort of change of environments and good to reconnect with, um, uh, you know, all the players that I've sort of grew up playing with, really. So uh, it has, you know, there's a bit of footy throughout the year, but, geez, it's not the, it's not the worst full-time job I've done. So I'll never be complaining <laughs> for sure. Yeah. That's good. That's good humility, mate, and it's good perspective, really, isn't it? it, it since since you went further down south and um, doing some great work with the Highlanders, it, is it different or is it more special in a way when you when you get to head back down to Rugby Park and, as I say, represent the Red and Black again where you grew up? Yeah, I think it is. You, you know, the Crusaders and Canterbury, it's quite similar. You know, they run out of the, the same um, facility, similar sort of setup. So, um they did kind of sort of blend into one almost, but uh, so the the change up is is something I've actually really loved over the last few years. Yeah, no, that would make sense, mate. Hey, um, the the squad this year it's awesome. It's it's deep. 
which is going to matter as it always does in NPC, especially when it comes down to Storm Week. You've got so much experience. Uh, guys like Ryan Crotty, uh, Ben Fennell, and of course, big Luke Romano coming back in, then just littered with the the, the experience you already have. Um, blokes like yourself and Tom and Dom and Reed. There's just there is so much experience, especially in the four pack. So has it been a bit like old mates reconnecting through preseason? Is it? I imagine it would have been pretty hard case at times. Yeah, it's actually been awesome. But um, yeah, ex- experience is probably one of the nicer words to call, you know, the likes of Romano. But it's great to have him back. <laughs> Uh, same with Crotty, actually. So another great uh, new Brighton lad. So good to keep growing those new Brighton numbers. And, you know, I think with that mix of uh, experienced and then the young guys coming through, um, the, some of them are really impressive. You know, they're, they're already, you know, sitting at that really experienced sort of mindset, uh, wanting to get better, um, all that sort of stuff. So no doubt that it'll be a couple of young guys coming through this season that that'll be going on for a long while. And obviously with Canterbury B there and then the under 19 setup, there, there will be a chances throughout the years to bring different guys in. Is, is that like a really important part of, of what you do? And I, I know a wee bit about how the, the Crusaders and Canterbury ethos is, is, you know, you, you're kind of ushering, looking after a Jersey and, and making sure that you leave it in a better place. Is that something that's important to you guys, especially with when you have some older fellas in there to make sure that you are um, nurturing the youth for the years to come to hopefully leave the red and black in a better place? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the one thing that, you know, Canterbury and I suppose the Crusaders have done really well is um, bringing that young young talent through. Um, they do an awesome job through the academy and, um, you know, the likes of those other teams, whether it be Canterbury B or whatnot, to bring those young guys up really well and um, keep sort of bringing them into our training environment when they uh, get the opportunity. So I think we've got, um, I think we've got uh, Carisbrook, uh prop that was, you know, named in the Canterbury B squad, but he's going to be having a crack this week. So I think that just sort of shows um, that how close those sort of you know, those Canterbury B guys are, so uh, they're going to be ready, but I think the coaches do an awesome job of keeping them ready, so it's awesome. Yep, and it's a, it's a good point. It's a good segue. I suppose the other, the other bloke we should talk about is Marty Burke, and, um, you know, he's been around for a wee while down there now, and he's got his chance to really roll his sleeve up and put his identity on the squad. So, um, I mean, what sort of footy are you guys expecting to play this year? And I wouldn't expect you to give us our your theme for the year but um you know what what means a lot to you this year is as you look to go one better than uh, we managed to do last season yeah look i won't give uh, too much away but i think um i think if you looked at our pre-season game it was all about um you know we didn't we didn't have a whole bunch of structure set in place or set piece moves or that it was just um marty's massive on just trying to coach the boys just to be able to um, see the picture and just play it. So not having to be too prescribed uh, and just backing everyone's ability to just play rugby. That's exciting stuff. I mean, that's what you want to hear, right? And um, uh, with that, I imagine, comes a lot of freedom. And, and it, it also means that your playmakers, the Ferguses and Alexes and, and Willie and Mitch, um, well, a bit of responsibility falls on them to, to lead the team around. But you, you're blessed with just, again, so much experience in those halves. Yeah, and I think like 
the experience in the halves and then, um, you know, our centres as well, you know, having Crotty, but then, you know, the likes of um, Ramika, poor Hippie, like, you know, he's been on, you know, he's been in some absolute form lately. So a few other guys like that are, that are just sort of, probably not those older guys, but they've been around plenty enough and they know what they're doing and they can really control us forwards and um, be decisive in that back line, which is, I think the thing that Marty Burke's just trying to um, get you run to sort of just back themselves in those situations and just play. Yep, bang on. And and bang on to give Ramaka a shout-out as well. It's just been an absolute weapon of late. So that's exciting stuff. Hey, uh, Tanifa, they always bring it, especially in front of their home fans, to start the year. They'll play with a bit of flair. They can play that unstructured footy as good as anyone. So what are the major threats and um, and what are you looking to contain when you head up there? Yeah, I think um, I think every time we've played up there, it's always been an absolute battle. I just, this will be my first time, so um, yeah, first experience for me up there. But we know that they're just going to be ready to go physically. So if we uh, if we're not if we're not there ready to go, then you know it can be a, it's going could be a long day for us. So we're just going to be there um, back our set piece. You know that's always going to be a strength of ours, and then. You know, if we can nail that, that sets sets um sets us up to like what Marty's been trying to do is just to be able to play footy. So I think that those sort of two things are gonna be massive for us. We cannot wait, mate. We cannot wait. And uh, just before I let you go, Billy, uh, the All Blacks, as we joked, it's the curtain raiser, which is pretty funny. Um, that's not too often we'll get afternoon test match footy under the roof in Dunedin, but your boys Fletcher Newell, to Mighty Williams, uh, Dal McLeod. Um, Braden Enor, there's there's a lot of guys that you know really well that are going to get a chance in that black jersey, which, as you know, means so much, and especially this close to a World Cup squad naming. So you'd be wishing them well. Yeah, it's uh, exciting to see, uh, especially because I think most of them probably played for us last year. So I think it's awesome to see, and I think it's awesome for our lads to see that that you know a couple of good games and then. You know, who knows where it can take you. So exciting to see um, Dallas McLeod get his first crack. Uh, he's been playing some unreal footy as well. So uh, that's massively deserved. And um, hopefully all of them put their hands up and, you know, get on that flight. It should be exciting to see. Yeah, love it, man. Hey, all the best, Billy. Hopefully we'll catch up throughout the season again once or twice. But uh, good luck to start the campaign and, and we'll be um, we'll be watching and absolutely fired up for you guys. Cheers. All right. Thanks, mate. Trident Homes, designed for living, built for life. Proud supporters of community sport across Christchurch. Check out our modern home plans and show home locations at tridenthomes.nz. And this man knows everything about community rugby in Christchurch. You find him on the Integrity Unit pod. He commentates schoolboy rugby, club rugby. He knows it all. It's a massive good morning to Donnie Bell. Morena. Yes, absolutely. I am indeed. It's... It's been mouth-watering for the last few weeks, to say the very least, and it's certainly not dying down. Of course, as you mentioned, uh, for myself and for the community, even more importantly, uh, this weekend with the Schoolboy First 15 final, which will be an amazing atmosphere and occasion, I'm sure, uh, up in Nelson there. And, yeah, we've just had the three club finals at the weekend gone for Ellesmere, North Canterbury, and of course the big Metro Sunday big dance we had on Sunday Funday uh, last weekend. So we've just finished that, and as you mentioned, coming into MPC now as well, and the Canterbury squad looking extremely 
uh, strong with a lot of very good club players uh, coming basically over to the team to continue their rugby for the season. Yeah, and wasn't it good to see uh, Ryan Crotty out for a run with his back beloved uh, black and yellow out there at New Brighton as well. So uh, I, um, I, I've spoken to... Go. Yeah, yeah, and Billy Harmon's on the show as well today and, and obviously a proud New Brighton man, so a bit of New Brighton love there. But I guess we've got to start here because, wow, Marist Albion, oh, I wonder if they're still celebrating, Donnie. I wonder if they've given it up yet or if they're, they're still celebrating. What a weekend. The final's given it up, I can confirm. I've spoken to the boys, obviously, having an affiliation uh, with the club, uh, they <laughs> they have finally stopped, and there are a lot of sore heads around it. And I believe they've only just stopped uh, celebrating <laughs> their finals victory. As you alluded to before, it was a real highlight to see Ryan Crotty running around uh, with his big punts, uh, causing damage for the Black and Ambers. But yes, it was Marist Albion that took it out, and they have celebrated, and they've celebrated hard. How did it shake down on Sunday? It was hotly anticipated. We hadn't seen that match up in a final for, I think, the better part of two decades. So um, t- talk me through it. Obviously, you would have been um, loving it, and, and it was a. they tell me it was a, a final deserving of a great season. Absolutely it was. I had the best seat in the house, calling the game, commentating from the bird box. So very lucky and privileged to do that. And it was the first time the two teams had faced off in a final, as you said, bang on for two decades, for 20 years. The atmosphere was absolutely electric, with both clubs coming in the masses to support their teams. It was an epic final played between two great teams. The sun was shining down on Rugby Park. They both had licences to spread the ball and keep the crowd entertained, and that they did. And Sunday at Rugby Park just makes it all those cold, wet trainings well worth it for these two teams. And what a result for Marist Albion taking that one, 31-26, against a very strong, resilient high school boys side that never gave up with 20 minutes to go. The scores level, uh, points uh, backtracking back and forth, and then Marist Albion just making the most of camping in at High School Boys 22, especially in the second half, and uh, making sure they were taking all their points uh, that were on offer. In fact, there was an odd-blown opportunity, but throughout the game, Marist Albion were just so, so clinical, icing the cake with a penalty with a minute to go to take it uh, out within uh, seven points. Then High School Boys won that scoring on time. But by then, sadly, too little, too late, with the scores being 31-26. But just a final that was so worthy of the masses that were there. And it's such a high-drama game with the scores constantly uh, changing hands and couldn't have asked for anything better at Rugby Park on that Sunday. So who stood up, especially for Marist Albion, uh, Donnie? And, and any, I mean, I might imagine through to the Canterbury B selection that they would have been the selectors would have been watching that final very closely. Yes, they were, and plenty of players have gone through to that Canterbury B side from both finals teams. For me, who stood up, the captain in second five, Elliot Smith, and first five, Sean Miyake. So I should have probably said it the other way, but yes, 10 and 12, Miyake and Smith have both made Canterbury B and were outstanding for Marist Albion. Also, Isaac Hutchinson, New Zealand under-20s player out wide, was lethal for them. In the forwards, the uh, Tomas of this world, the number eight, 
Moy Toma in uh, open side, Joe Taylor, prop Hamish Finney on his blazer game, just to name a few. For high school boys, Freddie Gibson, the nine, and Harrison Kirk, the second five, were the pick of the backs and uh, really put Maris Albion under pressure. And Tom Stanley, the number eight, and captain and lock, Alex Grogan, for high school boys, were incredibly impressive. So he had players highlighted all over the park that were outstanding, and there's almost too many names to name from those sides that have gone on, especially Maris Albion side, that have gone on to make the Canterbury B team. So congratulations to all those players. Yes, and uh, also to the Canterbury under-19 uh, team that was selected. Um, your families will be so proud of you. So it's always a, I love I love having a look at that Canterbury under-19 selection every year, Donny, because you can guarantee that there's players that go on to play for Canterbury Crusaders and All Blacks every single year from that. So uh, we can have a little bit of a look at that throughout the morning today. Um, but it's it's also not just about the Metro final, of course. The out in the country, out in Ellesmere and North Canterbury, there are a couple of ding-dongs. Yeah, two ding-dong battles out there. Congratulations to Glenmark Shedia. We really put it together. A very community-based side, strong side and a lot of talent over many a year. Uh, winning out there at the Kaipoi Oval against uh, a very strong Kaipoi side. So congrats to Glenmark Shedia who have been the form team over the past few weeks of that competition and deserved winners of the North Canterbury final. And of course the Prelden side over in Ellesmere, I believe it's the first time they have won in 48 years. The Ellesmere competition beating Waihora on Waihora's home ground. The two away teams winning, in fact, Glenmark Cheviot and Prebleton, who were both playing finals away to Kaipoi, uh, there at the Kaipoi Oval, Glenmark Cheviot, and Groves Park against Waihora. So a massive congratulations. I'm sure there are big celebrations there for the Prebleton Rugby Club and Glenmark Cheviot Rugby Club there, winning their uh, prospective, uh, prospective Ellesmere Comp and North Canterbury competition. So two other great finals played indeed. Uh, congratulations to the Christchurch Girls High uh, team that took out the Miles Toyota Cup, and I understand that their um, their brother school, uh, Christchurch Boys, have had another strong season uh, at both levels. But there's a bit of a final this weekend, and, and uh, as a former Press Cup player myself, Donny, I absolutely adore this competition. Um, I, I wish Rang Yura High School had have a bit more of a strong season. There, there was a purple patch about six years ago where we had a, a great young uh, prop. Prop by the name Fletcher Newell coming through leading the way. So we're, we're probably uh, due another season on an upswing. So we'll be looking forward to 2024. But there are a few teams in particular this year that were absolute powerhouses. And, and you're you're on your way up the, the line to call the game, I understand. Yes, indeed. Yeah, congratulations. First and foremost, Cedar Christchurch Girls High taking out the secondary schools uh, girls competition a very strong side by all accounts so great to see Christchurch girls high doing that and then of course their brother school Christchurch boys high they, the first 15 factory um, what a team they've been over the years once again showing amazing ability beating St Thomas's at the weekend and are marching their way up to Nelson to play a strong Nelson College who will definitely have a target on their back, they have been a dominant side or the dominant side, or it'd be fair to say for the past, oh, give or take five years, they've been stronger for longer but they've, they've had a real hold 
and grip on that competition. So a great game and a great occasion for Christchurch Boys High to go up there and dare to dream and cannot wait to commentate that one this coming Saturday. Uh, there on the Canberra, as, as you alluded to before, on the Canterbury Rugby page on Facebook. Uh, great to highlight these high school first 15 players. If you do want to watch that game, that will be from midday kickoff on Saturday. So, so much still to play for. We've talked about those other three finals that were um, played over the weekend, but what an opportunity for these first 15 Saturday. Bang on. Donnie Bell, champion. Oh, she's a legend of sport down in this part of the world, of course. It's Canterbury Sports Corner, and we're lucky enough to be welcomed uh, by a mainland legend, as I say, Annalie Longo. She's played, uh, well, uh, a lot in this part of the world. Uh, she's made it her home, and over 130 caps for her country as well. Plenty of goals, three Olympic Games, four World Cups now, and after an amazing month or so, or longer really, she's very good to pick up the phone and have a chat to us, which would be a quite an emotionally time I can only imagine for the football ferns after a very special few weeks. Annalie, thanks so much for the chat. How, how are you doing? Are you back in Christchurch? And I mean, I guess where's your head at? <laughs> yeah, I'm back in Christchurch now. It was uh, obviously a bit of a roller coaster. Um, of a tournament, the absolute highs of, of football, and you know, creating history, and a, you know, basically a sold-out crowd in that opening night. To obviously the heartbreak we went through uh, in the next two games. So yeah, the smallest of margins, but unfortunately, sometimes that's high-performance sport. And um, yeah, I think the the main thing is I'm immensely proud of the group. I think you know they were terrific across three games, and we gave it everything, and just fell that little bit short. From the outside looking in, and we've been lucky in New Zealand to see lots of home World Cups, and um, from the outside looking in, you get a sense that the team was as close as any other group we've had. Uh, I think back to the Black Caps in 2015 and obviously the 2011 Rugby World Cup team and then the Black Ferns earlier this year. When things start going well, it it really looks like you kind of take on the country embodies the the feel of the, the group. Did you guys feel that from the inside, that everyone was behind you and it was a huge amount of momentum and what what did that feel like? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it was a little bit unique for us as a group. We've travelled a lot and played in, you know, World Cups and games all around the world Um, and the support's always against, you know, us or the crowd's always in favour of the opposition. So, you know, to have the New Zealand kind of community and the backing of the, the, you know, the country behind you pushing on, it was, you know, it was special. And obviously the World Cup, you see the scale of it. We keep talking about pre-tournament. I don't think people know what's coming. I think they now understand how big, you know, women's sport and in particular football is. And, yeah, I guess to have the country behind us, you know, it really helped us in that opening night you saw. And even across the three performances, um, you know, I think, you know, we certainly um, hopefully inspired a nation. I think you you would have inspired a generation. I I just I'm so blown away by the amount of people that are and even going to games like the, the amount of sellouts we've had for non New Zealand games. It must be pretty cool. And I know in, in your role and how much you care about football and women's football in New Zealand, it's been pretty special on that front. But just on the performances, did when did you feel like you guys were playing the best football across the three games? Um. I think you have to look at probably the, the opening game. I think pre-tournament we had a really good lead-in. So we were in camp for about nine weeks as a group and then we had two uh, friendlies um, heading into that you know, that first World Cup game. Obviously the Norway game was you know, a memorable one. The, the team turned up and everything kind of just seemed to click. 
um, against a very, very good opposition who's you know now in the round of 16. Um, and the other two performances, I thought we were still good. Um, although we lost that Philippines game, they actually only entered our penalty box two times throughout the whole match, which kills us inside because uh, obviously we know we missed an opportunity there. Um, and then the Swiss, again, another very, very good team. Um, and, you know, to hold them to a draw and create chances again, we hit the post, you know, there's some VAR calls and all sorts that went on that weren't in our favour, and, yeah, unfortunately that sport, but um, I think, you know, I think as a team we have to be proud of the performances, and I hope, you know, people, you know, watching and, and all the people that turned up for the games, I guess we just want to thank them for their immense support. Yeah, and I think that'll mean a lot, and, Lee, I really do. Can you take us inside of a high-performance football environment where, so you score the one goal across three games, but for big parts of the games, all of them you dominated. And I think people will point towards the finishing. Is, is that a fair criticism or is it harder than that and it's more complex than that? You can't just point towards finishing. I ask that, I think I know the answer, but I'd be curious to get your take. Yeah, there's a lot of factors, but I think I think you are right. I think... You know, it's been probably one of our our downfalls as a team and as a nation is that we don't create too many opportunities and we, you know, we haven't unfortunately capitalised on those opportunities either. So it's twofold, obviously. I think the finishing and quality in front and goal, that, you know, that little bit of X factor or little bit of um, composure in the final third is probably still lacking. Um, and then just that ability to, to get into those chances more often so it becomes, you know, more frequent and it becomes common. You know, in the past you've seen teams who've heavily been defensive, you know, we've relied on keeping clean sheets and working hard as a team. Um, but now as, you know, we're starting to, you know, get players in professional leagues around the world and, you know, the quality is starting to improve. Now it's just that kind of final edge, which, you know, they say in football is the hardest part is that final third is, you know, to everything to kind of click into place. And yeah, I'd say we're probably singing out for a, a, a number nine striker. You look at, you know, across the, the world's best countries, you know, they've got prolific strikers that score goals and can, can create things out of nothing. So if you know any and uh, any goals, <laughs> then I'm, I'm sure would love to have them. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll put a LinkedIn ad out, and we'll see if we can check some passports passports around the country. Um, we can make a great point though. Like the globalization of football has been reflected in this tournament, uh, and I'm sure you would have been keeping a close eye on the the rest of the results. But you look at the African sides. Um, you you look at some of the the more. Uh, uh, well, less traditional European sides and women's football that are all putting up freak results and Germany gets bundled out, Canada gets bundled out. And I guess in your time, you've been around for a wee while now, and Lee, you, you must be kind of, not shocked, but, uh, well, actually, I don't know. What are you about the standard across the board? Like in all, all corners of the earth, there seems to be a football team that are playing at the absolute peak standard. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. It's It's amazing, I think. You know, I've seen three of the best teams being knocked out in group stage match, and yeah, obviously all the African you know nations coming in and putting in some amazing performances. So, yeah, I think it just shows how big football is and how global it is, and the more investment that you know federations and countries and FIFA are putting in, and I think it's just going to continue to grow. So, you see the opportunity in, in women's sport now, and in particular football. Obviously, there's so many professional leagues around the world now that people can go and play and you know be bad paid to play and, and that be their full-time job so I think it's only going to get bigger and bigger and as there's more investment and support you've obviously seen the prize money now expand in the women's game 
um, the resources have got better in terms of travel and accommodation for women's teams. So as that kind of increases and, and continues to, to move in the right direction, then I think, you know, these smaller countries are, are really going to thrive and they're just so athletic. Um, and I mm. think that's what kind of separates them is they've obviously got the athleticism and now the development's gone into football. So they're starting to create, you know, unique genuine players that can you know compete on the world stage and it's a little bit frightening um and our job is to keep up basically and 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 ensure we uh you know stay with the curve well and yeah you're so right like new zealand football cannot um well they cannot plead ignorance here because we've had it on our shores we've seen it firsthand like we have to be with this new wave right we can't be can't afford to be left behind and I'm, i kind of always did wonder after the 2010 men's world cup whether we seize that opportunity so from your perspective are you hopeful are you buoyed what, what are you personally up to over the next few years do you have you looked that far ahead have, have you thought about where you sit in the game and and where the football ferns sit in the game in the immediate future yeah, I think for me, it's you know, with playing in particular, you know, it's been so heavily focused on you know making it back from the World Cup, obviously with my knee. Um, but yeah, now it's to capitalise on on the legacy, and obviously we've got a number of programs and initiatives rolling out um, to try and grow participation and get more females in the game. And obviously, if we can improve our leagues and our competitions, and that's going to drive kind of you know that that competition and quality piece of football. So. There's lots of things happening in the background to ensure we, we really capitalise on the legacy. Uh, and, yeah, we just have to, you know, f- for us, we've obviously now got the first professional team in New Zealand. Um, we'd like to see another one um, as well, possibly in Auckland. Um, you know, we've had talks about with the A-League. Um, and then as, if we can get as many players playing in good quality environments, whether that be, you know, in New Zealand or if we can get them offshore into professional leagues, I think that's really going to help us develop uh, as a nation. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Uh, do you do you have a, a smoky from the tournament from here? Are you still watching? Are you? Because I, I am conscious it's only a few. To, you know, I reiterate. Thank you so much for taking a call. It hasn't been too long. So, how have you? Are you consuming it? Are you taking a break? What are you doing? Yeah, no, it's been been tough, but you know, I, I love I love football, and I think yeah, again, there's a World Cup in our country. It's pretty special and unique. So. I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can. Now we're out. Um, uh, I won't be heading to this round of 16 matches. Um, just a little bit too close, I think. A little bit too okay. rough. Um, just thinking that we'll know that we probably should have been there. Um, but I um, have got plans to head to the semi and final uh, over in Sydney. So, um, yeah, I've got a... I thought I, I thought I knew who was going to win, and now it's all blowing out the water. Who knows? And how exciting is that? That you turn up to every game and you don't know who's going to win, which uh, is pretty good for a, for an outsider, maybe not a supporter. <laughs> yeah, that's it's really true. Hey, um, I hope you find the courage to get on the plane and go to Sydney and take your time. No one would blame you. And honestly, like to you and all of the women that you played with, and. Um, yet, yeah, Karen, the whole the whole organisation, like, thank you, because you you did let us in, and it, and it will go down as like the Black Caps in in twenty fifteen, and the the All Blacks before that, and the Black Ferns earlier this year. I, I I think it really will, and and the enormity of the tournament has all kind of struck us once it arrived, and that Norway game will will go down in New Zealand sports history. So you can hang on to that, and really appreciate taking the call, Flea. It's um it's really good of you. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Thank you, Annalie Longo. Uh, I mean, everything I said there, 
very grateful to the football ferns for the ride that they have taken us on. Right, sticking with football, uh, he's a stalwart of New Zealand football by now. Uh, he's a legend of the Wellington Phoenix, of course, uh, played for a long time at the top level in the UK and around the world as well. And as well-travelled as he is, he's in Christchurch and he's one of us now. He's uh, red and black through and through. It's Paul Life. <laughs> Paul, uh, it's not quite yellow, yellow and black, but it's similar. Yeah, it'll do. It'll do. I'm used to it now. Yeah, it's at least it's still black in, in some part. It's uh, it's the stripes. Anyway, Christchurch United, um, you're, you're the boss there, and you have been for for a wee while. And this might have snuck up on people, but the Chatham Cup semi final draw was released uh, on Thursday morning, I believe. And, and you must have been pretty relieved to have the marble pulled. And, and you guys are hosting your semi final, which is, I mean, I imagine it, a massive bonus. Yeah, look, yes. um, what, what I did find strange is that nobody at New Zealand Football told us that the draw was going to be in the morning on the radio. Um, so I found out by a, by somebody walking through our facility and telling us at lunchtime. Um, we were assuming that as every draw had been on YouTube, we'd be able to catch it there. So that was a little bit interesting. Um, but uh, <laughs> in home, a home draw... A home draw um, against, I think, the best side left in the in the competition. Um, not easy, but I'm, I'm glad we're at home. Yeah, right. So, Eastern Suburbs, uh, you say they're the best side. What makes them such a, a big challenger? I think the fact that they're on an unbeaten run the same as we are. Um, they've, they've looked um, pretty strong all season. They've got a lot of clean sheets. Um, they don't score too many, um, but they don't let in many either. So I think I think we're two similar sides um, that play a similar brand of football. So I, I think it's going to be a good game either way. Paul, how have you found, how quickly did you manage to, to, to put your identity and your footprint or your fingerprint on this club and the style of football you're playing? I mean, you've, you've done this a few places now, but did this mesh well, the, the culture, and did you kind of achieve what you wanted to achieve as fast as you expected? Yeah, I think I was lucky um, in the fact that I managed to get um, Ecor Quaino as my assistant. He'd been at Coastal for like nine, ten years as a head coach, um, so he really knew the landscape down here. So for me, coming in uh, in terms of recruitment, it was easy with him on board. Um, the way we see football, me and him, is is pretty similar. So we've been able to kind of marry up what we do and and, and put that out to the players. He's a very defensive coach and I'm a very offensive coach so we've had to sort of find our way to meet somewhere in the middle um, but I think it's, it's worked really well and I think the players kind of like um, that we bring a bit of difference between sort of the two of us really so we've you know oh my name's on the top of the door so to speak and, and normally I get the credit but certainly he's had a massive part to, to play in what we do. That is good to hear that you are an offensive coach. I could not quite rationalise it in my head if you were going to say that you're a do- defensive-minded coach after watching you play for so many years, mate. Um, how does the the Southern League translate into the Chatham Cup? Like, do you you guys are eight points clear? I think it is. They're having a hell of a season. Um, does that? Do you use that as? Oh well, well yeah. I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask it this way. How important is making sure you maintain that record in the Southern League to what you want to achieve in the Chatham Cup? Um, look, it's hard because we're going on three fronts. So we're we're in the final of the English Cup, in the semi-final of the Chatham Cup. We're in, you know, we're right in the mix in the in the Southern League. So it's difficult, but we use um, the opportunities we get to sort of try and blood the youngsters if we can. Um, obviously, I want to win the league. 
Um, but we have given a number of youngsters opportunities um, in the league and certainly in the English Cup. And I think we played five under-18s in the English Cup semi-final the other night. Um, wow. And, and you can regularly see sort of three or four sort of under-19, under under-20s in our match day squads. So it's trying to balance. Let's, my, my boss, Slava, is, is about development. Um, he wants to win things, but he wants us to make sure that we're using the academy and bringing players through. So it is a bit of a balancing act. Um, but certainly in the Chatham Cup, it's, uh, it would be less about development. Um, it's, it's one game, you're 90 minutes away from a final. So we'll be going there with you know, arguably our most experienced um, squad, I'd say. Makes sense. And, and on that development front, I just caught up with Annalie Longo and we, we just left a, our conversation talking about, you know, making sure that New Zealand football and football in this country can take uh, the moment of the Home World Cup here and, and make sure we capitalise on it. How's the uh, Christchurch United Women's Football Academy coming along? And I know that was something that was always very close to your heart when you took the gig. Yeah, very difficult. Very difficult. Um, hasn't really got off the, off the ground. We have a lot of. Um, we've got a women's team. Um, we've worked with Hallswell this year, which has gone really well. And we've got a lot of young ladies, young girls rather, sorry, in the academy. But trying to find a full group of of girls to train together two or three times a week has been almost impossible. My hope is that on the back of the World Cup, we can really start looking into maybe bringing that to fruition because that's what I'd love to, to be able to start properly down here. Yeah, that is interesting. And, and does that come back to promotion, support from uh, mainland football, from New Zealand football, um, advertising? I mean, it's, it is quite an intricate subject and probably not something we can cover in the space of a couple of minutes. But do you have some ideas? I've got some ideas, um, but ultimately they've not worked yet. Um, so I suppose it's back to the drawing board for me. I, I think that there's a lot of girls out there that want to play football, but we've got to find the right... I suppose, systems for them. We've got to find the right environment for them and we haven't managed to crack it yet. Um, and, you know, I've been working in women's football for, for a long, long time, you know, the last sort of nine, ten years. Um, we, we've done okay in that space, but I think all of us need to do better. I'm hoping this World Cup will be the catalyst to make that a little easier um, and then hopefully, you know, we're having a conversation in, in a couple of years' time and saying how well clubs in this region have really... Um, jumped on the back of the World Cup and now the, the women's game is flourishing down there. Makes sense and uh, they're battling some injuries but they just managed to click into gear in Adelaide the other night, uh, the Lionesses can can they run the gauntlet from here do you suspect? Yeah, I, I think the best player in the tournament is Lauren James um, yep. I'm, I'm, I was astonished she was on the bench in the first game she's really showed what she can do in the next two um, when you've got somebody with that kind of ability in your squad to go with the rest um, I do think they can go all the way. Um, I did worry where the goals were going to come, but they have, like you said, clicked into gear. Um, so I think that they can go close. Outstanding. Paul Eiffel, I uh, really appreciate your time, mate. All the best for the next couple of weeks, and we'll catch up before your semi-final against Eason. Thank you very much. There he is, legend, Paul Eiffel. He's been around the world many times, and he's settled here in Christchurch doing wonderful things with Christchurch United. That is the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner for another week. Oh, what a fabulous show. And again, just passing on those um, sincere condolences to the Norton family for the passing of a Linwood legend. And speaking of, I just want to give quick mention each week, I want to give a Wizard of the Week, my Cantabrian of the Week, and uh, that would have to be Tane Norton through and through this week for his contribution to sport and rugby in this part of the world. And um, a little connection there, Richie Moonga maybe playing his last professional game for 
or in New, on New Zealand shores later on this afternoon. So, Richie, all the best to you. And thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to all our guests today. Thanks to Jacob for putting it all together. We'll be back again next Saturday on the Enterprise Canterbury Sports Corner.